Hey, good morning, Monstropolis. It's now 5 after the hour of 6 a.m. in the big monster city. Come on! Let's get pumped! I'm not drinking any fucking Merlot! What can I say? The camera loves me. Shall we begin? After you, Junior. I say this a lot, but the logged it theme song and intro just make me very, very happy. Anyway, hello everybody and welcome back to Multiplex Logged It. I'm your host, Caleb Boatman, and today... We've got first time watches of 2022. So the best movies that we watched for the first time last year. Just for the sake of things, we talked about 2022 movies last week. Not talking about those today. We're talking about just general first time watches from years before 2022. So this should be a fun time. Lots of good picks. We'll see what everybody watched last year. But anyway, Jack, we'll start with you. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing well. Uh, it's been a long day, so it, uh, once again, it's nice to chat movies with a bunch of people that I enjoy talking with. So, yeah. That is fair. Scott, we won't have you on video today, but we will have the omnipotent voice behind us <laughs> telling us what's right or wrong. How are you today, Scott? I know everyone's so disappointed they don't get to see my face, but uh, I'm doing okay other than the fact that my laptop decided to have a meltdown yesterday, which is why I'm appearing with no video today, but apparently it's fixed. Apparently I'm going to get it back tomorrow just in time so you can see me again on YLS, so you won't be starved for too long, but thanks for having me. That is fair. Uh, well, then uh, someone who I don't think has been on it for a little bit, uh, Brooklyn Vale. Brooklyn Vale, I don't think we've seen you in a while. How are you doing? Yeah, I think the last time I was on was anim was like animation or so or something along those lines. Um, but yeah, uh, I've had a lot more time recently to to particularly sit on the floor and watch movies and particularly throw like a rope or like a ball a lot of times. So uh, yeah, uh, a lot of fun movies to talk about. That is fair. Uh, well, and then we have Mr. Bill Cariola. Bill, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Don't worry. We may not see Scott's face, but I will hear the eye rolls for all of my things. So <laughs> from here, I will hear that. So. I do say that, as, uh, that a lot. I don't know if that's my catchphrase, but if it I... Totally it totally is. Dude. <laughs> yeah. If we could get a counter and you do a drinking game, someone's dying. Oh, you your liver would be a pickle if you tried that. Like, oh, <laughs> man. You just if fart you, it out into a dust cloud and be done. You you would oh man I please do not attempt the log dit drinking game of taking a shot anytime I say that. We're making fair. the shirt. You We're will making not. the shirt, kids. We're making the shirt. The Alcohol poisoning game. before we get to the actual main topic. What? Log dit drinking game. You said every time you say that's fair, I said you'll have alcohol poisoning before we get to the main topic. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. fair. That <laughs> 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 Oh, you best night uh, of my life. Do you? We'll so, Bowman, Bowman, I think the last time this game was done uh, was for Jonathan Peck. Whenever he would say, "Right." Uh, let's not bring that up. Anyway, we're going to start with your favorite movie, a log this week. This is going to be fun. Uh, favorite movie log that week. So we'll start with Jack. Jack, what was your favorite movie you log this week? Uh, I, I've actually had a lot of really good first time watches this week, uh, but one stands head and shoulders above the rest it's uh it's frank capra's uh 
arsenic and old lace. Uh, this is, at, I just blanked on his name, uh, Cary Grant, thank you. Uh, Cary Grant is phenomenal in this. He is giving the most bizarre, or like just absolutely insane performance. Uh, there's a lot of uh, really fun little moments. Every time, uh, I, I don't uh, remember the actor's name, but he plays someone who believes he's Teddy Roosevelt. Every time he goes up the stairs, he screams charge at the top of his lungs and it uh, makes me chuckle every single time. Uh, uh, Peter uh, Peter Laurie is a lot of fun in his small role, but uh, it's it's without question Cary Grant's show. It's it's just such a fun, uh, ridiculous movie. But yeah, I, I, I just couldn't get enough of it. Can't wait to rewatch it this Halloween. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, love this movie. This is one of my all-time favorites. This is one I watch every single Halloween. I think this movie is a laugh riot. Um, if Cary Grant is like the pastime equivalent of George Clooney, then this is his oh brother where art thou. Like this is the role where he just gets to be absolutely manic and have a lot of fun. Um, and it's so great. The supporting cast is great. Um, the ants are really fun, specifically Josephine Hull. She is so good. The, this movie is just brilliant from top to bottom. Um, Scott, I'm going to go to you. And while you talk, if how are Scott, have you seen this? Um, yes, I have. It's been a long time. I was like a teenager when I last saw it. Uh, I remember like watching it on TCM or something and definitely enjoying it, but. I definitely want to give it another watch because um, a lot of people talk about it around these parts as, you know, being a, a five star. And I think my opinion could go up on a rewatch. That's fair. Bill, have you seen this? Uh, I saw it year like when I was a kid and uh, Jack is corrected. Like the, the funniest bit is the charge up the steps. My second favorite bit is convincing him to bury the dead bodies by digging the Panama Canal is just such a great running gag. <laughs> So it is just funny's funny, and this is funny. So, and Brooklyn, I haven't. Cody watched this for a debate one time, and he was like, "Man, this is like an oh, like an underlooked uh, film, uh, and it's one that I think like, just always been on like the back burner. Like, I need to check it out soon." Um, yeah, this is definitely like one of those movies. Like, I'd also put like defending your life on the same thing of a movie that like two, three years ago in this community was probably fair to be considered underrated. And then like, we all just talked about it to death that it's like, no, this rules and everybody loves it now. And everybody has at least heard. Uh, but yeah, a uh, great pick Jack. Great start off. Scott, we'll go over to you. All right. For my pick, uh, I really want to talk about this movie because I'm not sure based on letterbox. I'm not sure if like anyone in the community has been able to see this movie. Um, and I, um, watched it on Saturday night. I just, I don't even remember how I came across it, but I, I came across it just last week on Letterbox, and I was like, this sounds kind of up my alley. So I added it to my watch list, had the opportunity to watch it. Um, Saturday night, it is on HBO Max. It's a film from 1978 called Girlfriends. Um, and this is a, a film that, uh, again, I, I found it on Letterbox, and I was like, this sounds up my alley. It was compared to 
like uh, Francis Ha. It was compared to like a 70s version of Francis Ha. Obviously, everyone knows Francis Ha is one of my favorite movies. Um, so that got me excited. Um, and, you know, but at the same time, I was like, is it really like Francis Ha? You know, people just love to compare things to other things, whether it's correct or not sometimes. Um, but yeah, it is. I mean, the, the setup of this movie is it's literally about two best friends who are living together, like in their mid to late 20s in New York. And all of a sudden, one of them decides they're going to get married and moves out. And then it's it's a lot about the other one sort of reckoning with the fact that, you know, the honeymoon is kind of over. You have to be um, an adult now. And, you know, all of a sudden she's alone in this apartment and she's tr struggling to find a job and, um, you know, kind of just struggling with the fact that this person who has been like at the center of her life for, you know, so long is now, you know, now she's spending all of her days with somebody else with her, her husband now. Um, but it's also kind of a great, so it's a great movie about like the, the anxiety of that, but it's also kind of a great movie about how powerful that can be like to be alone sometimes. Um, and the, you know, what, while as you may feel at first, like, oh, I'm jealous of what, you know, my friend has with, you know, the stability, the, the home, the husband, all of that. Um, mm -hmm. actually it turns out that maybe, um, she's just as jealous uh, of me as I am of her, right. Of, of the, the fact that, um, you have this place of solitude that you can go to and, and sort of the freedom that comes with that. And as somebody now who's been living on my own for about a year and a half or so, well, a couple of years now, um, I, that really resonates with me. So I, I just found this movie really relatable in the same way I found Francis Ha relatable. I definitely think a lot of people in the community would like this movie. Um, the cast is, is good. The, the two women are not, um, you know, really known actors. Melanie Myron plays Susan, who's the main character. And then Anita Skinner is Anne, who's the friend that moves out. Um, if you want a good laugh, look at Melanie Myron's directorial credits. She's directed some interesting, interesting films. But the supporting cast does include Eli Wallach. He plays the rabbi of, uh, of Melanie Myron's character. Uh, Christopher Guest plays like the guy that she has a, a relationship with. And then Bob Balaban is actually the woman that her friend or the man that her her friend marries. Um, so there's some, some, you know, known actors, character actors and type that show up in supporting roles, but yeah, great movie, super real. Um, and it's on HBO max and I think it's on Criterion channel as well. So definitely give it a watch. Yeah. Uh, I had never heard of this until you brought it up. This sounds up my alley. I would like to check it out. Has anyone else seen this or heard of it? Nope. No. Okay then. Well, we will move on. We'll go over to me. Uh, and while technically speaking, the movie that was my favorite that I watched this week was uh, for the first time was Ran, which is very good. But I have more to say about another movie that I watched that I was, for the longest time, under the impression was not very good based on its reputation. Uh, but Rules, it's AI. Guys, AI is great. Why were we all pretending like this is like, mid low tier spielberg this this movie is freaking great uh i i think just hey i just think this is such a unique like take on the pinocchio story it's my favorite version of the pinocchio story mainly because i think david is probably the best pinocchio like i think Haley joel osmond's 
characterization of a kid who just wants to be good enough for his mom. You know, there's all the other aspects of it, but that's really what this story is at this core is someone who wants to change themselves to be good enough for their parent. And I think that's really fascinating to tell that core story in this kind of mystical sci-fi science fiction world is really cool. I think the whole cast is great. Jude Law is giving a really impressive physical performance in this. Like he's very entertaining. Spielberg's like he's just such a good director and this is like some of his best directing here like you can tell that Kubrick was working on this a lot because I think there's a lot of like very Kubrickian shots here um people talk about the ending and I don't want to spoil it even though it's a very old movie but I'm not going to spoil it that being said the ending didn't bother me I expected the ending to really bother me because people talk about the ending bothering them didn't bother me I think it's great um, Jack, have you seen this? No, it's one of the few Spielbergs I still have to get to, but I've mostly been avoiding it because of the uh, uh, reputation it has as one of Spielberg's worst films. But after your, uh, you, after seeing you rate it four and a half on Letterboxd, I'm really interested in seeing it. Scott, have you seen AI? I really want to. It's been on my watch list for a while. I feel like it fits in like the compassionate sci-fi subgenre, which I really enjoy. A lot of movies like that, like you know, Contacts and Arrivals and Interstellar. So, um, I really want to watch this. That's fair, Brooklyn. Uh, I've seen always seen bits and pieces of it on TV. And uh, Bill. Yeah, I didn't care for this one for the exact reason you mentioned. Uh, I hate the ending. It. It really reeks of we've tacked into the last 20 minutes of this film. And it really bothers me. I really think it kind of just, it undoes the whole film for me, personally. So I know I've heard some great theories on it. There's actually a wonderful one that explains like, hey, this is actually is alien or whatever. Like not to get into it, but I'll say that to you personally. It's actually really good, but it bugs the hell out of me. So yeah, that's kind of, and no, E.T. is his best film ever. I won't, I won't, I won't hear E.T. later. I'm sorry. I just, I'm sorry. I, I I mean, I don't know if I would go as so far as to say E.T. is top 10 Spielberg, if I'm being honest. Saying, saying, it's, the, saying it's the best Pinocchio, though, while Guillermo de Toro's Pinocchio like, was kind of kind of took over for a little bit. Uh, nope. Uh, in my opinion, AI is the best Pinocchio. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Brooklyn, over to you. What was your... Uh, favorite movie you like? Well, Bo, since you're hosting the show, I may as well uh, I may as well do this. I got to watch uh, 12 Angry Men for the first time. I've been waiting for it to get on streaming services, uh, and I finally found it through um, through not super not super illegal, but it's like a not a, not an advertised channel. Um, but yeah, I just I found the out like first of all, it's courtroom drama, so that's right up right up my alley. Um, you have the one room setting and surprisingly it's like the, like the camera work and just how they're able to cut the tension uh, during these uh, specific moments. Um, Henry Fonda obviously is, is incredible as, as the lead. Um, E.G. Marshall is probably like my this like favorite actor that I kind of learned of, of this movie. Um, I like his, his kind of stoicism uh, through it all. And that like, even right up to the very end, he's the kind of the reason that you believe that he could, could be guilty. 
Um, Joseph Sweeney is a fucking badass in this. I love uh, every scene that he that he steals. Uh, Robert Weber, I feel, is kind of like a Cary Grant light, uh, and it's just it's kind of serves serves the purpose. Um, and then yeah, a lot of people talk about like Lee J Cobb, and like that's like that big scene didn't hold up for hold up for me as much as that pr- probably should. Um, but uh, yeah, also my favorite thing about this movie, um, I love using the word excitable when people get like angry. Like that's just, a, it's a fun way to just kind of cut it down. And I learned that through this movie, but yeah, um, it's gonna be, it's, it, it's a classic and it, it, it holds the bar, I think for classic movies. That is fair. Um, they, I, I said it again, but B, uh, this is one of my. This is my favorite movie of all time. I think everyone knows this. This is my favorite movie of all time. One of the greatest ensembles of all time. I love this movie. I think every. I'm so glad you watched it finally, Brooklyn. I think everything that you said is right. Like the way this movie is able to be so contained and so like minimalistic but without feeling all that minimalistic like there's still like the score is great the cinematography is fantastic and there's a lot of like subtle things to it like as the film starts it's very it's in longer takes and it's in wide and then as the film goes on it's quicker cuts and it's from you know close-ups and it starts from like above and the camera goes to right below and very close. And I think that's just such a great way to build tension when you're essentially only in one room the entire movie. Lee J. Cobb, I think as people know, I think is the greatest performance of all time. So love this movie. Uh, Jack, go ahead. Oh yeah, this is in my top 20 favorite movies of all time. This is incredible. Lee J. Cobb is truly phenomenal in this film. I, I I've talked at length about this movie, but I so I'll, I'm not going to say too much about. It, but yeah, no, I'm so happy you finally got to see this Brooklyn. It's a, a it's a fantastic film. Scott, yep, also in my top 100, an amazing film. Um, not much more left to say about it, but I just think it's amazing that you know uh, this film still holds so much power today. I mean, you know, most people don't even watch classic films nowadays because, you know, they find them boring or whatever. And then this one is not only a classic film, but it all takes place in one room. And yet, you know, I think you can show this movie to pretty much anyone and they're going to have a great time with it. That's fair. Uh, Bill? Yeah. No. What am I going to say about this film that everybody else hasn't already said? Uh, It's wonderful piece of cinema. It's amazing how you can juggle that many people and everybody is also a completely well fleshed out character everyone gets the right amount of screen time everyone has their little moment it's fantastic yeah absolutely uh well bill that brings us back over to you what is your first pick well for for my my favorite that i want to you know what i mean yeah no i'm just making sure yeah so kids uh the 180 from that let's talk cocaine bear because i went and saw it and it's uh (laughs) This movie's fucking rules. <laughs> Spoiler alert, a bear does cocaine and murders people. Um, I was on Pace and Show last night, and I spoke at length about this, but if there's like a short list of films grown in a lab specifically for me, this is definitely one of the recipes, because uh, this is just a flat-out fun movie. It's a quick, breezy 90 minutes. It's lean, doesn't overstay its welcome. 
at the same time, it's funny and managed to make a very serviceable monster film in the process. Uh, Elizabeth Banks does a hell of a job with this, of just making the parts that have to be funny, funny, the parts that have to be gruesome, exceptionally gruesome. Also, uh, standout performance for me personally was uh, Isaiah Whitlock Jr. as uh, what, as like one of the cops. He has the absolute funniest subplot with him and a dog. I won't spoil it, but every time it happens, I just giggle more and more. That dude was like amazing in this. He should get a lot more work. So, yeah, cocaine, cocaine. Bear does cocaine off a of a severed limb. Eight out of five stars. I think I'm good, Jack. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, but it sounds like a fun time. Scott? I don't know if I'll see it in theaters. I'll probably see it at some point. It just strikes me as being a little too like self-aware in a way that I don't know if, if it'll work for me or not, but we'll see. It's obviously an interesting setup. Brooklyn, do you think you would prefer it more if it was called Marijuana Bear? Uh <laughs> Nah, no. I whenever I hear this movie, I always remind myself of the time fucking Sam Elliott was in a movie of the man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot. Uh, so like, I think that would just be a fantastic double feature. Totally right. The movie rules. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, well, nobody's seen Cocaine Bear yet, but that brings us to the flip side of the coin. Your least favorite movie log this week, Scott. We'll start with you. What was your least favorite log this week? I mean, I didn't want to do this. It's not a bore. It's not an exciting pick, and I think it even came up last week. Everyone knows how I feel about these movies at this point, but I have not really seen a bad movie in the last month other than this. So I'm gonna have to go with Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty much done at this point. Like, I think I'm just going to wait for Disney Plus on these movies uh, because there's just not, it doesn't seem like there's much more they can offer me. Um, it's the same issues over and over again. The chief among them being the visuals just being awful. Um, and of course, the articles are, you know, the inevitable articles are coming out. Oh, the VFX artists were rushed and, you know, because Marvel was diver diverting all their resources elsewhere, blah, 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 blah. Um, I mean, I have no doubt that that's the problem, but um, until people stop, like, giving these movies attention, it's just going to continue to be the problem. But, yeah, I mean, so much of this movie is on a green screen, like the, the quantum realm, the people, the characters when they're in the foreground do not even look like they are in that physical environment. Like, it is distracting um, how rough it looks. I think the story is pretty, like, half-assed. It's like we spent the whole last ant-man movie trying to get michelle pfeiffer out of the quantum realm and then now within like 10 minutes we're back in this movie and the reasons are just like well the daughter was was farting around in the lab and and now we're back um it, it just it just feels like it's all set up obviously for whatever is coming next i don't really know what's coming at next does it feel like they're really building towards anything like they were with the infinity saga um, I guess, you know, Jonathan Majors is going to have more to do. He's the only redeeming quality of this movie. But um, even still, he's not enough to just make me care about what is going to happen next. So, like I said, I'll wait for Disney Plus from here on out. Um, and I hope everyone else has a good time with these movies. I uh, still haven't seen this yet. Uh, but I don't know if I want to anymore. Jack? <laughs> You talked about this last week, didn't you? Yeah, I had a good enough time with it. I don't hate it. I think Jonathan Majors is great. That's yeah. it. Brooklyn, you like seen that. this yet? 
You're muted, buddy. Sorry, I haven't seen it yet. Theater is still closed because of Hurricane in the fall. Oh, no. Uh, Bill. Uh, Cocaine Bear took precedent for my movie viewing pleasure, uh, but this movie has MODOK in it. I know that's happening, so I will have to see it in the theater because MODOK fucking rules. It's honestly for for all the hubbub that was made about the you know how Modoc looks in this movie, it's not even the worst thing visually. But I mean, they at least acknowledge that he looks stupid. So I mean, that's something. He's a giant head with little tiny arms. Yeah. He's Modoc. Yeah. Come on, <laughs> he better look stupid. That's fair. I wouldn't be the MCU if they didn't make fun of their comic book origins <laughs> instead of just playing it sincere. <laughs> I like the MC. Anyway, uh, Jack, over to you. What was your least favorite movie along this week? I, I'm i torn because, you know what? I'm going to go with uh, a movie I think is fine because I'm not even sure how I'm supposed to feel about the other movie. For those of you that want to know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about a movie called The Color of Pomegranates. Don't watch it. It's weird as fuck. Uh, I'm going to go with a movie that won Best Actress uh, in the 60s. I think the movie itself is fine. Really solid performance, but Funny Girl for me just, it was okay. Uh, there wasn't really anything interesting or exceptional about the film other than uh, the lead performance uh, from whose name I just forgot for some reason. Barbara Streisand. Streisand. Barbara Streisand, thank you. I don't know why I blanked on her name. She's really solid. As of right now, I don't hate the win. I'll be watching The Lion in Winter relatively soon, so we'll see if uh, my opinion changes then. Uh, but I really don't have much to say about the movie. Uh, it exists. <laughs> Strike sounds good. You know, there's a surprising amount of 60s musicals that are big, you know, costume musicals that have a lot going on. But they have they have this like lack of energy to them. They just feel incredibly like slow and like they're moving in molasses. I would put I would honestly put, and this is controversial, I put sound of music in that camp. There's a few other like musicals from that era. I would put in that camp of just movies that don't have feel have that like brimming with life that some other musicals have like from that era like mary poppins or the music man like regardless of how you feel about those movies those pop those movies have a lot of energy to them i don't think funny girl has that and that's the biggest problem i think streisand is good um but even then she doesn't deserve to lick uh katherine hepburn's heels like she's Catherine Hepburn's on a whole other level in my inventory. Is that a, is that a saying? I don't know. I started saying something and then I didn't know what I was <laughs> I, trying to say. I, I so then words just kind of came out. Words just kind of came out, Scott. Anyway, yeah, okay. Scott, have you seen Funny Girl? I haven't, no. Uh Brooklyn? No. Uh Bill. I mean, come on. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what am I even doing here? I mean, anyway, come on. <laughs> uh, now we go over to me and with a movie that I would actually be surprised if Bill had not seen this. Um, I'm not going to talk about it too often because if you want to hear me talk about it, you can tune into the video store tomorrow where Caleb Coho and I will be talking about this film. It's part of our filmography series on Sorkin. It's Malice. 
Uh, Cliff Notes version is that uh, there's like one really good scene with Alec Baldwin uh, where he talks about the like his God complex or whatever. <laughs> that scene is great. Everything else you can throw this movie in the dumpster. Um, yeah. And Bancroft is in this movie and she's completely wasted. This is this is just a very mediocre thriller. Uh, yeah, not much more to say about it. Uh, Jack, have you, I'm going to guess you haven't seen this. No, it's one of like the three or four Sorkins I still have to get to. Bill, was I right? Have you seen this? I completely forgot this was a fucking <laughs> movie. Oh my god, I saw this on like a home video. Not all about it until <laughs> so you said this. I'm like, wait, where do I know this? I'm like, holy shit, how Baldwin and Nicole Kidman did a movie together. I forgot all about that. Oh my god, yeah. So, yeah, shows you how I remember that was. Yeah, no, that's fair. Brooklyn, I, I like Sorkin. I did not know this movie existed. I will say this is Sorkin working with another writer, and Sorkin was fired partway through production. So we actually talk about that tomorrow on Filmography on the video. Anyway, (laughs) if you want the full story, Scott, I know you've seen this. Yes. Let us put some respect on the name of Scott Frank, who is no slouch himself either. That's the other writer. He's written like out out of sight and uh, the queen's gambit and a bunch of other stuff. Logan. um, He's a good, he's a good writer. Um, but yeah, I think this movie, it is trash, but it is entertaining, und- undoubtedly. Like the places that the plot goes, especially towards the end, are insane. And like it is crazy just to see Sorkin and Scott Frank just like going for it. Like I just, I love the 90s and this is just like a very 90s, like we're just going to make a crazy movie with a bunch of huge actors that goes for it. Like you wouldn't see this movie nowadays. Uh, so I enjoy that about it, even though like, at the core, it is very trashy. And <laughs> fair. Um, yeah. Uh, now we go over to Bill. Bill, what is your least favorite first uh, first uh, movie you want this week? So, a uh, little heads up. I'm preparing for a Full Metal random on Friday where it's finally happened to kids. Malcolm's writing the, uh, the Andy Sedaris match of my dreams. So I'm going through his <laughs> entire filmography. And uh, what did I forget? You know, they're not all hard ticket to Hawaii. Unfortunately, one of them is Picasso Trigger. And uh, it's like, I can't describe how uh, much of like off the cliff it is when you go from like the most, I went crazy for just the insaneous shit and in hard ticket to Hawaii. Get, get the fuck, come on, man. Why don't you put up everybody else's shit? Put up mine. You don't even like this one, Bill. That man died. <laughs> that was good. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, it's just like, uh, it, it could have been so much crazier, and it kind of wasn't. Although, shout out, Hope Marie Carlton has a snorkel joke, and it's legitimately actually funny, all in the delivery. And uh, this movie needed more of the uh, exploding boomerangs, because there was only one, and, and that could have used a few more of those. But other than that, you get your RC remote car, like, kill, uh, bazooka, as always. Teeny tiny guns, as always, and like every other Andy Sears movie, totally passes the Bechdel test. So go figure. Also, a lot of unnecessary nudity as as needed. Talk if about any yourselves. You three have actually seen this movie. I will watch we our best. We are best friends. That's what's gonna happen. Have any of you three watched this movie? Because if you have, I'll watch Hard Ticket to Hawaii then. 
I haven't. No, that's no. what I thought. <laughs> we'll move on. No, I haven't. Yeah. Brooklyn, what was your least favorite? It's Rio <sighs> So, not technically my least favorite movie by Letterbox standards, but um, I watched <laughs> this movie on Sunday, uh, and I cannot stop fucking thinking about it in terms of how polarizing it is. Uh, and it would be the whale. Um, this, it is a dense movie. Um, the things that I like about it, I like the, I like the score. I think it accents um, certain scenes quite well in that there is uh, there is a sense of agony and worry that you feel that you feel for Charlie as he is uh, interacting with certain th- certain moments th- throughout the movie. Um, this is this movie's kind of blunt in not a good way. Um, there's a couple of like a couple of conversations that are very like kind of like kind of like bookend um, and the. And that and the movie kind of like stays, kind of stays with with a lot of that dialogue. Um, Sadie Sink, her performance is her performance is kind of one dimensional, but I think it kind of I think it serves a purpose because I think the movie you can use Charlie as like a pivot point for how you how you react to positivity, and I think that's how a lot of the char- a lot of the characters sort of work within it. Um, but yeah, uh, I like it's. I think again, sort of like the the one location setting of it really made it more kind of cla- like claustrophobic. And then obviously with with Charlie, um, it was very relatable in terms of just like just obesity and weight issue and seeing some of the things that he things that he did. It's like fuck. Like I was like I wasn't too far 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 behind from from that kind of style. And you see all these people trying to trying to trying to help him but he is self-loathing in such a positive way it's just very twisted um i rec- yeah all right uh well um yeah i saw this movie i did not enjoy it um i think brendan Fraser and hong chow were great uh i will give them credits i think they are doing something with a script that i think is bad um, I think that characters make motivate have make action have actions that do not make sense within their characters, and they don't explain why they are doing a lot of these things. And it, I think it's more for the sake of the plot. I think particularly surrounding Sadie Sink's character and the way she's portrayed is she's written very confusingly and in a way that I think her motivations just do not make sense half the time. Uh, I also think Sadie Sink is just kind of bad. I don't think she's very good. Uh, I also don't think... I I hear a lot of people saying they liked her in this. I did not think Samantha Morton was very good. I actually thought she was kind of bad. She was... Uh, but yeah, yeah. I think that uh, uh, Frazier and Chow are good. But overall, I just found this movie to be an exercise, pointless exercise in misery that didn't yield much for me. Jack, have you seen this? Yes, I have, and I am way more positive on this movie. I saw it in the theater uh, with one of my parents, and by the end of it, we were both uh, in tears. Brendan Fraser is incredible in this movie. Uh, He absolutely, in my opinion, deserves uh, the praise that he's getting, and uh, hopefully the Oscar. Still crossing my fingers for that. But uh, it is a... 
borderline like it's a hard movie to watch and almost borderline punishing at times but like a lot of aronofsky's films he's got uh he's able to uh draw incredible performances from his cast and fraser uh fraser chow uh i think they're incredible i really like sadie uh i i did really like sadie sink's performance when i saw it i still have to uh go back and well, it's going to be a while until that happens. But I really liked her and Samantha Morton, and I can't remember the the guy that was in it whose name. Ty Simpkins. Yeah, that guy. Uh, yeah, him. Uh, he, I, I thought he was good as well. But uh, at the end of the day, the movie just kind of clicked for me. Uh, and I really. Uh, I understand why people dislike it, but it, it's one that hit the right notes for me. Uh, Scott, have you seen this? No, I uh, read the play actually in college. It was fine, but when I saw that Aronofsky was doing this, I'm not a fan of. And then, you know, I saw some of the clips, like saw the trailer and Brendan Fraser being like, people are amazing. And, you know, re I read some reviews of it and stuff. Um, I have no desire to see this, if I'm being quite honest. That's fair. Uh, Bill, have you seen this? Uh, I'm still only six years removed from Mother. My rule is seven-year buffer between Aronofsky films. Because <laughs> uh, I don't know if this guy needs like a fucking puppy or a cookie or a hug or like a warm nap or some shit. This guy needs just... I want to see him just do like, I don't know, maybe like a goofball stoner comedy. Like just like fucking I... lighten up, bud. Not that everything is his goddamn time. I do not want to see Aaron. I told you. I a stoner, a, a, I a stoner comedy see. with an underlying message of Jesus. No, that's, Probably, no, I don't know, man. That doesn't work. Like, anyway, yeah, before we get to Brandon Fraser, like I'm glad that guy's getting all the flowers. He deserves all his praise because we we did not treat him right. So yeah. anyway, uh, before we get too off the rails. Now let's get into everybody's went for least favorite, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So now let's get into the meat and potatoes of the show. First time watches of 2022. We'll start with uh, we'll start with Jack. Jack, what was your favorite first time watch of 2022? So uh, I've talked at length about a lot of these movies already. So I'm gonna. Uh, the ones I talk about may not be like at the top of the list, but they're still really high, uh, highly rated movies for me that I just haven't talked about yet. I watched a lot of movies starring Ingrid Bergman last year, uh, and she's incredible in the vast majority of them. Uh, and she also and she stars in what uh, uh, what I've heard people call the best Hitchcock movie that wasn't directed by Hitchcock. Uh, and I absolutely agree because Gaslight is a great movie with what I would consider uh, Bergman's best performance that I've seen. She's fantastic in this movie, but it uh, but it's George Cukor's direction that really uh, that uh, also deserves recognition. Uh, he's able to create. Uh, just such great tension in this film. Uh, tr uh, Charles Boyer uh, plays her husband, and uh, he gives 
I don't think it's uh, a spoiler, minor spoiler alert, I guess. Uh, he gives a fantastic villainous performance. Uh, I, I, I don't know if that's supposed to be a spoiler or not. I was expecting it going in, but uh, he's great. Uh, Angela Lansbury is really solid in this as well. Like, I really liked her performance. I just had a fantastic time with this movie, and I was uh, on the edge of my seat basically the entire time. And if there's an Oscar that uh, Ingrid Bergman deserved, it's it's this one for uh, Best Actress for this film. She's incredible. That is fair. Uh, yeah, no, this is an excellent film. I I completely agree on what you just said, and that uh, it's the best Hitchcock movie Hitchcock never made. Very Hitchcockian, feels Hitchcockian. Some great production design too. Like even though it's largely just in one location, that house looks great. Angela Lansbury is also freaking great, especially if you like know Angela Lansbury as like you know proper nice lady from like bed knobs and broomsticks or murder she wrote or mrs potts like watch this watch picture of dorian gray watch the original manchurian candidate and just be absolutely terrified by how evil this woman can be uh but yeah absolutely boyer is also great i'm starting to appreciate boyer a lot uh he's great here too but yeah uh this is a great one scott have you seen gaslight no, but it sounds awesome. I definitely need to see it. I thought you told me you had already seen it. Gaslight? Oh, uh, I see what you did there. Oh, my God! <laughs> anyway, Bill, have you seen this? No, I actually haven't seen it. And I swear to you, I haven't. Um, not for lack of trying, just one of those things I never got around to. But I'm fully aware of its like reputation of how good it is. That's fair. Uh, Brooklyn? I hear all the kids talk about it, similar to Arsenic and Old Lace. That's fair. Well, now we will go over to Scott. Scott, what was your favorite first time watch of 2022? All right, so I am going to pick the movie that was, was number one on my list uh, of first time watches just to start us out. May not pick my number two next, we'll see. But anyway, uh, my number one, and I find with these first time watches that often it is the movies that surprise me the most that I like would never have expected that I would think that it was a five-star movie, but um, this was definitely the case with this movie. I watched it because like other people in this community, I do enjoy listening to blank check. And I saw that they did an episode on this movie and that their guest was Rachel Zegler of uh, West side story. I thought that was an interesting guest for them to have. So I wanted to listen to the episode. So I watched the movie first. The movie is cabaret. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I ever really knew what this movie was. Like, I knew, of course, that, um, you know, the Kit Kat Club and Liza Minnelli wearing the hat and all of that, you know, the iconography of it. But um, I don't think I ever realized this movie is largely about the slow rise of Nazism. Um, and it just makes it a, a far more fascinating film, um, in my opinion, because it's... You know, it has the musical elements obviously going on inside the, the Kit Kat Club, but it's kind of this isolated world in which is like it's a metaphor in its own way for what is happening outside of the Kit Kat Club. And again, the the rise of, of Nazism and the fact that Joel Gray's character is just kind of like slowly revealing himself to be, you know, kind of sinister in a way and 
ultimately the movie is just kind of about these characters distracting themselves from, you know, the reality of what's going on around them. And, um, you know, kind of in a way it it is explaining how Nazism and, and this hatred was able to, to flourish and to, to prosper at this time because, uh, of people just kind of, you know, distracting themselves with their own little, you know, love triangles and what's going on with, with Sally Bowles and, uh, and Michael York's character and, um, you know, the sort of central love triangle at the heart of this. Uh, but there are these reminders everywhere around the corner uh, as to what's going on. And I think it's just really chilling the way that Bob Fosse just slowly builds up until finally the characters can no longer avoid what is going on. You know, there's that amazing scene in the beer garden, um, which was is all Fosse because it's not in the musical anywhere. Um, where, you know, they're, they're sitting there and the, the, you know, young man stands up and starts singing tomorrow belongs to me. And at first it's just like, oh, he's, you know, singing the song or whatever. And then we just slowly reveal that he's like a Hitler youth and every single person in the beer garden stands up and starts singing along. And it's just like one of the most chilling scenes. And then of course the ending, um, where, you know, that, that final shot of, uh, inside the Kit Kat Club, which was once like this safe haven where they were throwing Nazis out. And, you know, we pan around and we see like the reflection that now in the crowd, there are a few Nazis sitting there, like a few Nazi officers sitting there and watching the show right after, you know, Liza Minnelli has sang Life is a Cabaret, you know, this really cheery song. So it's just a, a powerful film, honestly, in a way that I was not expecting. I mean, Liza Minnelli's amazing in it. Um, you know, Bob Fosse, brilliant direction. Um, again, so many of the, the things that make the film great, I think, are his choices. So many people I know, the whole dialogue is, oh, that Bob Fosse, it's a crime that he beat Francis Ford Coppola or whatever for the Oscars. Again, who cares? Don't let the Oscars have so much power over you. But also, if Coppola was going to lose to someone, and I'm not saying that he should have, but if he was going to lose to someone, um, I think... You can't do much better than this, in my opinion. So, my, ha- cabaret. My hot take is that Bob Fosse and Francis Ford Coppola should have just traded Oscars. That's that's my take. Is that Fosse should have won for Lenny in '74, and Coppola wins for The Godfather instead of Part Two. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. I I really like Lenny, and I really like all that jazz. Cabaret doesn't quite do it for me. And I think it's partially because, well, I agree with everything you said, Scott. I don't love the actual core romance behind all the, like, the, there's the all the historical stuff going on, but I don't actually really care about Liza Minnelli or Michael York. But that's kind of, for me, the central par- problem. But I do think that uh Liza Minnelli is really good. Joe Gray's fine, but I I don't quite get the love for his performance. It's, I I think Fosse does better later, in my opinion. Um Scott also or not Scott. Oh what do you what no? I said all that jazz is also great for sure. That is fair. Uh Jack, have you seen Cabaret? No, but I'll get back to you in a few weeks. That's fair. Uh, Brooklyn? I've seen the poster. <laughs> Bill, I'm going to assume you haven't. I thought this movie was about wine and was a prequel to Sideways. Uh, it is not, but that would be <laughs> awesome. 
<laughs> I believe anyway. that would be Cabernet. That would be Cabernet. Anyway, uh, now we'll go over to me. Oh, with Brewster McLeod. Uh, I just saw Cody was in the comments, and oh boy, uh, yeah, uh, he did not like this one. Not a Cody movie. Not for Cody. Would not have told him to watch this. I really like it though. I think this movie creates a lot of really unique characters, particularly the main character, Brewster McLeod, which um, multiple people have recommended recommended this film to me. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, that's why? But like within first five minutes of seeing the character on screen, it's like, yeah, no, that's how people see me and that's fair. <laughs> but no, this is, this is great. Uh, one of the, like the most unique endings in a movie, specific like, and I'm talking like the very end. Uh, for you know what I'm talking about. Shelley Duvall is great in this. Sally Kellerman's really good in this. Uh, yeah, I think this is just a, a really unique movie that I don't want to say too much about. For people who haven't seen it. I'd say go in knowing as little as possible. Know that it's quirky and weird. Uh, but other than that, oh uh, yeah, Aaron did recommend this to me. I will. Shut that up. But to be fair, multiple people, not just Aaron, like five different people told me to watch this. Um, and some of them before Aaron. But anyway, uh, Jack, have you seen this? No, but I, I, I'm i interested in seeing it. Uh, I can't remember the director's name, but he's one that I, I really want to get into. He did MASH, if I'm thinking about that guy. Yeah, Robert Altman. Uh, so I'm I'm excited to get to it, but just haven't yet. Uh, Scott? Altman's on my list for this year to watch more of. I've only seen, I think, Nashville and The Player, but I love both of them. And I want this is one that I want to watch, The Long Goodbye, you know, The Cave of Mrs. Miller, a couple others. Scott, if you loved uh, Nashville, watch Shortcuts. Brooklyn, have you seen yes. this? Yeah, for sure no, I haven't. No? Uh, Bill? No, but uh, looking at who directed it and who's the main star doesn't surprise me. Aaron suggested this for yeah. obvious reasons. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Sounds um, weird as hell, though. Sounds like it's right up my alley. Yeah, Bill, I actually feel like you dig this one. Uh, but yeah, now we go over to Bill. Bill, what's your first pick for first time watching 2022? Uh, so, uh, a genre that I got reintroduced to how much I love uh, this in the, in the last year or so is just uh, Kung Fu Cinema. I love it. I love it. I grew up like when I was a kid, you would always have the uh, movies showing on Saturday afternoons. So I grew up on a lot of like the Sonny Chiba stuff. And there was one movie I never got to see. And I finally got to see it now that I have, uh, they're back here somewhere. I'll think about later, but my, uh, my Shaw brothers box sets that are, are just like, my prize possession right now, and that is the 36th Chamber of Shaolin. If you have never seen this from, uh, was it 1978, I want to say? Uh, might be, yeah, 79. And uh, God damn, this is one of the coolest movies I've ever seen in my life. I love every minute of it. It's so borrowed from, like, in general. I just, like, so many things are, have been lifted whole cloth from this film and how influential it was. A lot of the wire work in this thing is incredible. Mm -hmm. A lot of the fight sequences are just amazing. The like the whole concept of being able to like run on water and like having to like run up walls and just uh is it Gordon Liu, goddamn who every one of you would know from Kill Bill as the master. Um 
is phenomenal in this. He is so good. Uh, there's a reason why they kept bringing him back. And obviously, the Wu-Tang Clan took a big part of this. A lot of it. And it's funny going back, seeing this now, hearing all of this dialogue that I've heard in all these songs over these years. And it was just like such a neat concept of like, here's this like monastery of monks and like, there's just different levels and you have to get good at one level before you go on. And then he's like, Hey, I want to actually take it out to the world. And I like, no, you can't do that. And he just does it anyway. And it's just an awesome time. Like I just adore every minute of this. So it, rediscovering my love of that genre has been like the greatest joy for me in the last year. So I highly recommend the hell out of this. So. Bill, you cut out for me when you said the title, so I missed it. What is the Oh, name? yeah. The 36th Chamber of Shaolin. Okay. Yes. Uh, has anyone here seen this movie? No. No. I Fair wish I had. But... Sorry, what's that? I said I wish I had, so... There, it's some... on Prime for free. Honestly, it's so good. I, I, I need more Asian cinema in my life. Yeah, Look, so I have I surprisingly been watching a lot of Asian martial arts movies lately, specifically Jackie Chan stuff. Yeah, but you like, are going to love this. You are absolutely going to love this. So, also, uh, yeah, well, I'll bug more later, but absolutely watch this. You'll just see, like, oh my God, so many movies have been taken from this. That is fair. Uh, Brooklyn, what's your first pick? Uh, so, yeah. Uh, this movie, I don't think anybody else has, has seen on call, but I always like bringing it up because uh, I think it's really important. Um, it is 2018's uh, The Grizzlies. Uh, this is a, a sports movie, uh, but very heavy in nature. Uh, it's about the suicide epidemic uh, in Nunavut uh, in like the early 2010s, late late 2000s. Um, and what happens is uh, a teacher goes up uh, goes up there to um, for like a for like a to like a two month two month like. Uh, course or whatever um and goes to teach goes to teach at this high school and you kind of get um you get to explore the explore the community and some of the some of the, the pros and the, and the cons of, of, of living in the area uh a lot of a lot of addiction and whatnot and just uh people people feel that honestly like, like, like they're stuck um but what they do is they uh they learn or they bond kind of bond together with the game of lacrosse um and it's just kind of it's like it hits all the notes of a typical sports movie i just think it's about something that even like we as canadians we just kind of we kind of think of the north as our as our fun as our fun neighbor upstairs that we don't really talk about uh a ton but uh yeah i just think it's um I've, I've, yeah again i'll say it again it's it's an important movie to watch um and yeah that is fair uh i have not seen this has anyone here seen this? No, but you said it takes place in Nunavut, which, as a Canadian, I'm now required to watch it. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get back. Oh, to and you. sorry, it's uh, G R I Z Z L I E S. Sorry, on Netflix. Okay. Well, we're already done talking about it. Yeah, I was just look, looking it up. It, it's written by Graham Yost randomly, who wrote Speed and also the TV show Justified. So that's kind of cool. I mean, that makes yeah. me much more interested in it interesting that is fair uh well now we go over back over to jack jack what's your second pick so my second pick is a movie that uh you actually uh gave to me boatman to watch uh and it may very well be philip seymour hoffman's best performance uh it's it's doubt 
my goodness, this movie <clears throat> just hit me uh, when I saw it. Uh, going th going through this movie, uh, I wasn't sure like how like like how this movie was supposed to go. I knew nothing about going in other than it centered around uh, the Catholic Church and uh, and the uh, different things that were coming out about the Catholic Church at the time. Uh, and Meryl Streep just absolutely kills it in this movie. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman is terrifying absolutely terrifying i don't know if i like there's a couple scenes that just had me holding my breath but uh i remember after like the first confrontation with uh uh with father flynn with amy adams and meryl streep's characters i messaged boatman saying i don't know if i breathed uh this entire scene boatman texts me back that's fair <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> But no, um, yeah, uh, no, that uh, his sermon, that scene uh, about with his sermon is incredible. Uh, I cannot wait to this sounds really weird to say because it's a really hard movie to watch and it left me feeling really uneasy afterwards. But I really do want to revisit this movie. Uh, just some of the greatest uh, performances I've seen in a long time, especially from Hoffman. Jack, Just... normally I think some of the movies that you choose to rewatch are insane. Uh, you can rewatch some very heavy movies that I don't, I would not be able to rewatch as easily as you. I get your point on this one. Uh, while clearly there is heavy subject matter at play, I think this film is so intriguing specifically in terms of the central question that I, I think watching this movie it, and re-watching it is honestly a necessary thing. Because if you come out of that movie thinking one way, watch it again with the opposite answer in mind, and you can find points arrows that point towards the other direction i think that's how brilliant this movie is is essentially you there there is a central question that you come out of that movie with and the answer is yes no and i don't know like if you are looking for an answer you will find it and if you have doubts you'll have doubts like it's i think it's a brilliant movie viola davis is in this movie for less than 10 minutes and she proves that she's a star. Incredible. I, film. I forgot to mention her. She's incredible in this film. She is so good. Like she shows up out acts Meryl Streep and says, bye, I'm going to be a superstar. See you later. Uh, Scott, have you seen doubt? I have. And yes, it is a very strong movie. Um, also, another one where I weirdly read the play. I think it was for the same class that I read The Whale. But anyway, uh, it's one of those where it could have been really stagey and it could have just been like, let's just let all of these actors act in all caps. Um, but they're all just too good for that, I think. they Instead, they are really able to find the nuances and the subtlety in the movie and in their characters. And it makes for a much more satisfying experience. So, um, yeah, very good movie lives up to you know the billing of having philip seymour hoffman meryl streep um amy adams viola davis in it 
That is fair. Um, Brooklyn, have you seen this? Uh, no, I'm not. Bill? I went to Catholic school for 12 years. I'm good. After that, it's usually hard for me to want to watch something about anything related to that. So, also, no one will tell me if he did it or not. So, I, I don't want to go in knowing. Uh, I gotta know. I gotta know that as before I watch. So, I mean, that's the central question. I will say. Yeah, I just, it, it, that's gonna really weigh on me. So, just yeah, it's a little bit. That's fair. Person. That's fair. Uh, anyway, uh, now, now we'll go over to Scott. Scott, what's your second pick? All right, I think I'm actually going to pick another film about the rise of Nazism, believe it or not. Uh, I'm going to pick a, a screwball comedy, as a matter of fact, this time, though. Uh, and it is from 1942, To Be or Not to Be. Um, yeah, this movie is incredible. Um, it is probably objectively one of the best comedies ever made, um, just because of what it's able to accomplish and the, the subject matter that it tackles. It, especially in its particular era when it chose to tackle it. I mean, this is right in the heart of World War II when this movie came out. So, um, yeah, but um, this is directed by Ernst Lubitsch, who is kind of, you know, the master of the screwball comedy. Um, but it is basically about this troop of actors um, who get involved with uh, the Gestapo in Poland and are kind of basically scheming their way um, to to try and get out of Poland to get to safety, um, but they are they are having to use their acting abilities basically to scheme their way um, past the Nazis. Um, I don't want to say too much more about it, but um, it is one of those screwball comedies where everything just spir keeps spiraling and escalating, and um, the absurdity of it takes over at certain points. But obviously, it's dealing with very dark subject matter, and I think it walks the line very effectively. Um, I love it's kind of like a emotional movie in a way, like it, at times, like it, the way that um, it is sort of affirming the role of artists and and you know the the power that they can hold in. Um, combating hate and uh, propaganda. Um, I think that stuff is really powerful. There's a, a moment with a Shy the Shylock speech that happens at the end, which is, which is wonderful. Um, but it is, it's very funny. Like, and you know, I know that some people are like, and, and I mean, I, I have been guilty of this too, but like, Oh, well, classic comedies that I don't know. Do they really make me laugh? Well, almost no comedies make me laugh. That's an infamous quality of mine that I wish I could, um, could shake. But um, anyway, this movie I, is holy. I find it hilarious. And I actually think it has a great use of running jokes, which is also something that I don't say very often because I think a lot of comedies nowadays just beat their running gags to death. But there are several um, running jokes in this movie that like just get funnier each time that um, that they are performed. Um, and in, in particular, um, Jack Benny's character, who is, you know, one of one of the actors, he's his wife, he and his wife are kind of the central character. They're both actors, but um, she is much more famous than him. But he is often in disguise throughout the movie and he is continuously asking like these German officers and people he's like trying to like, while in disguise, probe them for a review of his own acting abilities um, when all they want to talk about is his wife again, who's more famous and whatnot. And I'm not going to spoil it, obviously, but the the eventual punchline that this running joke leads to is hysterical. Um, 
So I really want to watch this again. There is also a scene with like the discovery or where somebody is like where there's a dead body and they're, you know, trying to pretend that the dead body was someone. Again, it's it's the type of screwball stuff where um, it's it's funny and they're ripping off his fake mustache and um, the everything just spirals out of control in a very, very funny way. But at the same time, like I said, I think it it uh, touches on some dark subject matter in a way that still does justice to what it is talking about. Like, I don't think it ever trivializes um, what it is, the, you know, the very real problems it's dealing with. So amazing film, very, very ahead of its time. Yeah, this is, I feel like, a really good uh, companion piece to The Great Dictator. Both films that kind of tackle the the rise of Nazism while it was uh, happening and a way that kind of kills with comedy. Like, it's it's a damning of the, the Nazi movement, but in a way that is using satire and comedy as a real weapon. And I think that's really fascinating to watch. And on top of that, it's just very funny. Like, it's just, like, so funny. Everything that you said. Like, Jack Benny's very funny. Carol Lombard is very funny. I think Lubitsch is just one of the masters of these types of movies. Excellent film. Jack, I don't think you've seen this yet, right? Uh, not yet, but I've heard a lot about it, and I really do want to get to you it. You would love it. Uh, Brooklyn, have you seen this yet? No. Bill? I have not. I thought this was a Mel Brooks movie. The, Mel Brooks made, or was in a movie this. Okay, that completely makes sense now. So, yes. From what I understand, does does Mel Brooks rap as Adolf Hitler in the remake? I oh, think that God. I wouldn't put what it I understand that happens, but I might be I'll wrong. never be watching that then. I, I don't know that for a fact, but I'm like 90% sure about that. And Kirk had that movie on his top 100. He doesn't get to judge any of us. <laughs> oh, no. Now, now we'll go over to me. I'm going with Cinepetma Paradiso. Uh, this was just an absolute beautiful, haunting movie. Uh, I, I love the heck out of this one. Um, just brief synopsis. This is a story of a, basically a young kid who uh, ends up befriending a movie projectionist, and it's kind of their friendship uh, as time goes on. And uh, in an Italy that movies were being censored by the church a lot of the time, and there is one scene, I'm not going to say what it is, but there is one scene within this movie that I think is maybe just one of the most beautiful scenes I've ever seen in a movie and just an incredible way to pay something off. Uh, but overall, the entire movie is fantastic. There's also a scene involving them projecting a movie onto a street wall so that everyone can watch it. That is also a great scene. Uh, just, just hauntingly beautiful. Uh, I, I highly recommend this one. Uh, Bill, have you seen this? I have not. Uh, <coughs> Never even heard of this movie, to be honest with you. Sounds crazy. Exactly what Bill said. Yeah, I'll be back in one sec. Sorry. That's fair. Jack? Uh, I haven't gotten to it yet, but I've heard a lot about it, and it's on the watch list. And Scott? Yeah, you've picked like a couple movies, Boatman, that have been on my watch list for a long time. So I haven't seen it, but I know it's like one of the biggest, like the magic of movies, movies. So I'm sure I'll love it when I get to it. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. 
Uh, Jack, did you, you have to go? Yeah, I, I have to hop off. But thanks All right, for well, thank me. you for joining us, Jack. We appreciate it. Uh, see you later. But, Brooklyn, while we wait on Bill, we'll go to you. What's your second pick? Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go with the more mainstream pick, I guess. I, I watched this over the summer. Um, it's fucking Batman Returns. Um, I had not I had not gone through the the Keaton, the Keaton era ones. Um, the the first, uh, like Batman 89 <coughs> is fine. Um, but I think this one you can you can put on like the rush more of just Batman properties. The other pro- the other properties being the Lego Batman, uh, the Dark Knight, and uh, the game Batman era, the, the game Ar- uh, Batman Arkham City. Um, fucking Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman uh, is great. Just the like the little turn that she has. Uh, Christopher Walken as Mac as Max Shrek, I think, is the first like the the earliest of uh Chris of Chris Rockin's kind of like camp that I've seen. Uh and I think that's just it's it's great and how he kind of melds melds with everybody else. Uh you do feel sympathy for Danny DeVito at times as as the penguin. I think it's a, a very well fleshed out villain. Um in terms of Batman, I think I think Keaton's better in Batman 89. But I think what makes up for that is the score in this is is so much more better. Uh, I find it fits the fits the atmosphere more, um, and it's another one similar to like Batman of last year, where Gotham feels like a character, and it is very uh, it is very influential, especially to like the animated animated series uh, and whatnot. Um, but yeah, very glad to uh, go back and check this one out. This the one thing I will say about this movie is it has one of the greatest out of context lines in the history of any comic book movie, and it's delivered by Christopher Walken. But you give Constitution a rest. It's Christmas. Like, come on, come on, Christopher Walken telling people to forget about the Constitution because it's Christmas is amazing. Um. I think that the thing that I usually say, because I know there are people in this community that love this movie, people that hate this movie, I usually say, it's a bad Batman movie. It's a great Tim Burton movie. Scott, how do you feel about this? Yeah, I mean, I don't really care for it. I definitely prefer Batman 89. I just think Batman is not in the movie that much. I think that's the main problem with it for me. That's fair. You know, to be fair, people would probably say the same thing about The Dark Knight, but like... I don't know. I just think that Heath Ledger is so compelling in that movie that it, it kind of over overcomes any flaws. But um, I mean, I do think Michelle Pfeiffer is great as Catwoman. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it just it, it doesn't fully recognize, I think, the camp potential that it that it has. Um, only only there are only times when it does. Like when when uh, when when Danny DeVito has his army of penguins or whatever. I mean, that's kind of funny. But like. Um, you know, other times it's just kind of boring. That is fair. Uh, Bill? Uh, yeah, I'm actually in a complete agreement of it being a fun Tim Burton movie, but a bad Batman movie. Um, I, I think it also really uh, double, pardon, pardon the turn of phrase here, but double down on the uh, focusing more on the villains than they are on the main character of his own movie. Like Batman always takes a back seat. And that definitely happened a lot, especially a lot more in the Schumacher years. Uh, not so much Batman and Robin, oddly enough, but that's just weird. We won't get into that one. We don't talk about it. It's fine. Um, yeah, but it is a it's it's fine movie. It, it's a good time. It's bizarre as hell, but yeah, no, I, it's good. I enjoy it. 
So Christopher that, Walken is a complete is from a completely different film, and uh, I think he just does nothing but adds to this. It's so great. So yeah, that is fair. Okay, well, Bill, we'll go over to you. What is your last pick to take us home? All right. So I uh, oddly enough watched a lot of crazy movies last year. I also watched a lot of really good ones. So I watched a lot of what is considered high art, uh, but I also while watching. A certain genre I do appreciate. Uh, there was one I always remember to like. I, I somehow missed uh, in the realm of the uh, the '90s black inner city movies because I'm a big fan of you know, Menace to Society, Jews like Boys in the Hood, and there was one that always kind of escaped that somehow. And I finally did go to watch it last year. It's South Central from uh, 1990. I want to say 92. Yeah, um, this is a really good movie. It's uh, you, you see a lot of people in it, like you like that have faces you kind of remember. It mainly centers around uh, Glenn Plummer, who you would have seen in like Showgirls and uh, the Speed movies. He always has like like bit character parts, but he's the main focus. And he's a, he's basically like this gang member who gets sentenced. And while he is away, he actually rehabilitates. He tries to leave the life behind. But while he is away, his son is kind of caught up in it. And it's him trying to get out and trying to get to his son and trying to redeem his son before it's too late. And it, it's it's really gripping. Uh, it did make a ton of the box office, but got a lot of critical praise. I know uh, Oliver Stone ended up producing this, which I thought was strange, but... It was, uh, and I think the director was Stephen Milmore Anderson was put on a lot of end of year, like with Tarantino and those guys, like we should be watching this guy. And then it just fizzled out. So I don't know what happened, but like, as far as like dramas go, especially in this genre, there is a tendency to always like the ending is going to be dour because of what they're talking about. And this is one of the few examples where it doesn't go that way. It actually has a, actually a kind of a happy ending, which is a, uh, are rare in this genre, and it, it is a fantastic good movie, and I, I, I highly recommend it. That's fair. Uh, I have not seen this. Scott Brooklyn, has that, have either of you seen this? Is is Glenn Plummer the guy in Showgirls who says everybody's got AIDS and shit? No, he's uh, he's the the guy who's like, oh, you fuck him without fucking him. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, I haven't seen it, but it sounds yeah. cool. No, it's a great. It honestly is. It's like it, it. It belongs in the category with those other films, and for some reason was largely just kind of forgotten about. So, well, that wraps up our favorite first time watches of 2022. To recap: Gaslight, Cabaret, Rooster McLeod, Thirty Six Chamber of Shaolin, The Grizzlies, Doubt, To Be or Not to Be, Cinema Parody, so Batman Returns, and South Central. But before we go, we got to talk about the movie of the month, which is about time. Bill, we'll let you start us off. So I saw this movie when it kind of when it kind of came out, maybe a little after that. Me and fiance knows she was like, "Oh, you know, I've always wanted to see this," uh, or it might have been a little after. I was like, oh, "Okay, yeah, it's your turn to pick." And I, when we watched it, I cried like a baby. I adored this movie, and then it's been years since I've seen it, and then I recently had to rewatch it again. I was like, "Oh, I am thoroughly looking forward to this," and it didn't sit well with me this time around. Um, now here are the positives. Everybody's good. Everybody's good at what they're given. Like great cast. Uh, I will give the guy, I forget his name. Was it 
Summer, Stephen Summers. What's the guy's name that made this? I forget his name. Oh, uh, Richard Kurt. Thank you, Richard Kurt. I don't know where the fuck I was going. Uh, fantastic, especially with like background characters or, or secondary characters. Like that guy's top notch for creating like good, memorable, lived in, like secondary characters. Uh, my problem this time around, and I think just because my brain works a little differently now, is like it's yeah, it's a manipulative romance, no matter how you want to cut it. Like he met her and then he did something to change it, and then he is like constantly inserting himself with like knowledge that he has that she doesn't to engineer this relationship. And it doesn't sit well with me this time around. Now I understand everyone is going to disagree with me and that's fine. It's just one of those things I noticed now that bugs me now. And it kind of just leaves a sour taste in my mouth this time around that having been said, this, the, the father son dynamic still hits and I still get teary with that because uh, that's who I am as a person. But yeah, that's my gripe with it. I won't say it's bad. Just didn't sit well with me this time around. Uh, what do you give it out of five? Three. Uh, for, the, for the for the manipulation, I take two whole stars off. How's that? This this movie is just fine. Um, I'm gonna kind of echo some of Bill's statements. I think, considering this is 2013, the script is kind of yikes at times. Uh, it's like. Like whenever, uh, what is it? Fucking is it? Ro- yeah, Roger, uh, the guy who plays Roger, and the Donald Gleason are, um, they're walking, and they're it's after they had met, uh, met Charlotte and and their, their friend or whatever, and they just like, they, they just say some pretty yikes stuff that I don't think can be said anymore. I think people on TikTok would be kind of breaking it down, being like, how did this get made? But um. But yeah, I do think it's really sweet, like coming on towards the end, like obviously the relationship with his dad. Rachel McAdams is fucking awesome in this movie. Um, I don't like, I don't like Donald Gleason in it. Like, it's just like, there's some things that don't really like make sense with, yeah, with like how, with how, it doesn't seem very, doesn't seem paced very well. And then, yeah, like I agree with Bill in that, like, a lot of it is just like, oh, I need this information so that I can be, so that I can get the thing that I want. So I'm just going to, like, loop over and over again um, and be very kind of selfish with these powers. Also, he did murder a baby, technically. He technically erased a baby. I'm just saying. So. All right, please let me restore some sanity to this panel. Uh, this movie is delightful. Um, I understand what they're saying, but, um, you know, ultimately he comes to the realization that um, it's better to just live in the moment in the end. So I think it's okay because I think he learned some lessons along the way. Um, but anyway, um, I, yeah, I think this movie is just lovely. I think Richard Curtis, yes, absolutely does an amazing job with ensembles. He also does it in Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, which he wrote. Like, he just sees the best in people, which I really appreciate. Um, Especially, you know, like the sister, Kit Kat, like Uncle Desmond. Like, they're all just like, you know, you genuinely like all of them. And, and, you know, they could have been played for laughs or, you know, poked fun at them, but he he never does that. He, you know, he sees them very sincerely, which I appreciate all of that going on outside the the main plot yeah i think the romances it works for me i mean who wouldn't fall in love with rachel mcadams to be honest even though they try to be all silly about it which i hate when movies do this but it's like oh i have a fringe oh like i'm kind of dressed like a librarian i don't even know if i'm pretty at all like oh gosh 
Um, I mean, come on, you're Rachel McAdams. Like, let's let's relax a little bit. Um, I just think about the scene, you know, where after he's been in the dark or whatever, and uh, it's like, you know, he's obviously had a connection with her, and then he wa- she walks out, and it's Rachel McAdams. I'd be like, you got to be kidding me right now. Like, I'd be pinching myself if that ever happened. But anyway, um, great movie. It was a instant top 100 when I watched it for the first time, which doesn't happen often. Uh, after watching it a second time, it stays there. Um, it's definitely one of the better romance films from the last, you know, 20 years or so. And I'm glad that it has sort of found an audience despite the initial critical reaction being kind of mixed to it. So I give it a four and a half. Um, I gave it a two and a half as well. Fair. Uh, well, that's about it for the show. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Thank you to Bill, Brooklyn, and Scott. I have been Caleb. Also, Blake. Jack. Jack. Yeah, and Jack. Jesse's fine. Yeah, we'll cardboard cut out. Yeah. Uh, oh, next week is Actors Turn Directors. Week after that, Meta Movies. Week after that, Crime Gone Wrong. Week after that, Action Heroes. I think most of those are filled up, but I would have to look. But anyway, thank you to everyone for watching. We will see you all later.